There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 Chai FM, welcome, welcome. This is Soul to Soul on a Friday afternoon here in Johannesburg, South Africa. Welcome all of our radio family as we prepare for an incredibly auspicious Shabbos, Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Titzave, which is also Pashas Zohar, the Shabbos before Purim, where of course we read the special reading and fulfill the, according to many, biblical mitzvah of remembering Amalek and his duplicity and his attempt and desire to destroy the Jewish nation. And then, of course, we go into Purim Monday night, Tuesday is is uh, Purim. We'll talk about that in a little while, but let's perhaps share a, an idea together from the the Megillah that we'll be reading, please God, on Monday night and Tuesday Tuesday morning. And one of the very, very interesting parts of the Megillah is that we know that Haman uh, was advised by his loved ones, by his dear Zeresh, to build a tree 50 amas, 50 cubits high and to hang Mordechai on it. And at the end, of course, he himself met his own fate that he intended for Mordechai. He and himself ended up on that tree. And uh, the major tells the plot kind of thickens when Haman has to find a piece of wood that is 50 amas high. The Medrash says that he asked his son, who was a ruler in another province in in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, where, in fact, the Teva of Noyach had landed, and he asked him to please send him one of the planks, which, because we know that the uh, that the height of the Teva was 50 amas long, and and therefore that uh, he asked him to, to send that. And of course, don't be fooled and don't be mistaken into thinking that this Hamishim Amma, this 50 cubits, is just a random chosen kind of rounded figure and that the, uh, the source of the, uh, of the plank that originated in Noyach's Teva is just, of course, a coincidence. Oh, that's what they happen to have view like that. Now, every detail was, of course, nefariously uh, uh, planned by Hadam, by, by, by Haman. And obviously the question is, what could Haman's intention have been with this 50 Amma wooden sort of hang post aside <laughs> that it was to kill and display Mordechai's, Mordechai's body? So, Chazal learn uh, that the writing of the Megillah has to be on on a piece of parchment that has sirtut, in other words, that has grooved lines on it, just like a mezuzah. And what's what's the connection between the Megillah and the mezuzah? Yes, they're both holy things written in the special uh, uh, script of of Safras, but what's What's the connection? So the, uh, Chasm Seifer explains this whole incredible thread that really was one long line of chesed that is weaved through the entire Megillah by Mordechai, specifically for the purpose of benefiting and helping 
Esther, who of course we know was his cousin. She was an orphan without living parents already from birth. And upon hearing about the death of her two parents, while Mordechai was still living in Eretz Yisrael, he immediately picked himself up and went to Esther in order to, to raise her. Even from the time that she was chosen to be taken to the king's palace to see if she would be fitting to be the next queen of the wife of Ahasuerus, he took up his residence. He dwelled right outside the palace gates in order to be able to constantly keep a watchful eye on, on Esther. And in reality, this behavior was actually both inappropriate and unbefitting for Mordechai. Mordechai, we know, was a, a prestigious member of the Sanhedrin, yet he nevertheless took the responsibility upon himself for, for a few years without any break, without any lapse. And it was this, says the Chassam himself, was this incredible chesed that Mordechai performed for Esther day after day, month after month, year after year, that in fact nullified this irrevocable decree of Haman's mastermind evil plan of the complete and total genocide of the entire Jewish nation. The, the Svasemis, in fact, adds that the fact that the Megillah told us this fact, that Mordechai every day was at the king's gate to keep a close watch on the welfare of Esther, teaches us that his tzitkos, his, his, his righteous behavior and the chesed was in fact an instrumental part in the Nesa Purim, in the miracle of Purim, just like every other detail in the Megillah. Everything that we're told in the Megillah is so precise and so meaningful because all of it led to the final uh, 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 salvation of the Jewish nation. The Chassam Seifer continues and says, now we can begin to understand the requirement that the klaf on which the Megillus, on which the Megillus Esther is, is written has to have the same requirements as the klaf on which a mezuzah is, uh, is, is written. Why? Because the mezuzah on the outside of one's house, we know, serves as a protection for those that are, that are inside. The name of Shin Dalit Yud is written on the exterior of the parchment, which is the acronym for the words Shemer Dalsos Yisrael. He guards the doors of the Jewish nation. Hashem's chesed is unlike, the Gemara says, any other king who he remain, the king remains inside the palace and his guards watch and protect him from the outside. Not so HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is so omnipotent and omniscient as he is, nevertheless guards his people from the outside. He stands outside. But just like Mordechai, who, un- who, un- who uh, although this really wasn't something that was fitting to his greatness, nevertheless raised and watched es- Esther from the outside, kind of like a mezuzah, with this name Shindalid Yud, so to Hashem watched over Klayusa with the miracles of, uh, of, uh, of Purim. The, the Hasanova adds that to prove the point, 
says by, that the words mezuzah, if you take the numerical value of the word mezuzah, it has the same gematria as the words Mordechai. Mordechai was a shmira, was a protection for Esther, just like a mezuzah, and therefore the story of Mordechai and Esther and the Megillah must be written on the same kind of cloth that is required for for a mezuzah. Rav Olshan, Rashiv of, of Lakewood, explains, using the above, why a Chachamim established the mitzvahs of Matanis, of Yoyinim, Mishlaiach, Manas, on Purim. And the answer is that since the whole salvation of Purim came about through the incredible chesed of Mordechai towards Esther, so on this day, we want to enforce this Midah in Klai Yisrael, so that they should realize how important, how important chesed is. So now perhaps let's come back. Let's try maybe to understand the plot to hang Mordechai Dafka on this 50 Amma plank of wood, which came specifically from Nayak's Teva. The Medrash relates that when Avram Avinu met Malkitzedek, who was Shem, the son of Nayak, he asked him, What's the chus did you and your family have that you were saved from, from the marble? Shem answered, from the tzedakah we performed in the teva for a whole year of sleepless nights, sustaining literally the entire creation, sustaining the animals and all the birds inside. Each one had their own unique diet and their own particular feeding schedule, right? So we must view his answer in, in the kind of the background that the Torah testifies to the fact that Noyach was an Ish Tzadik Tamim. Nevertheless, if it wouldn't be for his extreme chesed in the Teva, it could very well be that he and his entire family would have also perished in the, uh, in, in, in the flood with everyone else. Yet, the Torah still finds a fault and a shortcoming with Nayach by calling the flood, and the Navi calls it the May Nayach, the waters of Nayach, because there was some kind of accusation in that he failed to daven, to, to protect his generation from the flood. And was suggesting that HaKadosh Baruch Hu was hinting this personal shortcoming to him during those 150 years of building the Teva, in order to warn the generation of the upcoming catastrophe and, uh, and which would be the consequence of their, of their misdeeds. For the dafka, the measurements of the teva, we know were 300 amas long by 30 amas wide by 50 amas high, which if you add it all together equals the word lashon or the tongue. Nayach was supposed to daven for his daughter, for his generation, to do tshuva, or to be saved from this utter, utter destruction. Nayach, however, did not take the message to heart, and therefore his supernatural chesed in the seva was in the table was flawed. It was enough 
to to save him, but barely, barely. It, 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 the fact that he didn't daven for the generation is is a huge is huge uh, 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 And Hakadosh Baruch Hu realized that the only merit for Mordechai to be able to to stave alive and save Yisrael from the Gezerah of Haman from that annihilation and again find grace in the eyes of Hashem was the performance of tremendous chesed like that of Nayach in the Teva, right? And therefore his plan to counteract such a merit of Mordechai was banking not only on on uh, on uh, on the great chesed, but Haman was hoping that if he took a 50 uh, plank a 50 armor plank, it would remind HaKadosh Baruch Hu that Mordechai had the same shortcoming as Nayach and hadn't davened for Klaeson, therefore was worthy of destruction. We'll come back and wrap it up in a moment. We're going to go to the shops. First, this is 101.9 Chai FM, Soul to Soul. This on the greatest Jewish radio station in all of there are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul on Friday afternoon. Erev Shabbos Kodesh Pashas Tetzave. Uh, the Pashas Zohar, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for being here, as we always do at this point in the proceedings to give you the important times you need to uh, know about this Shabbos. So candlelighting this week is quarter past six. It's actually the earliest time, I'm sorry, the latest time for lighting candles is actually at quarter past six. Uh, sunset is therefore at 6.33, 18 minutes later. Uh, Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at three minutes past seven, as you mentioned, tomorrow we read Pasha Zohar, which according to many of the halachic authorities is an obligation for men and women. Please check with your, and your newsletter, with your, with your shul, what time they would anticipate, uh, reaching the reading of Pasha Zohar in the service. Some communities have a later reading, maybe for the women that are busy looking after the children, etc. But uh, it's something one should one should do, and as I say, a Purim is on Monday night and Tuesday. Just perhaps to go run through a, a few of the laws. Yes, we have Purim every year, but sometimes we do tend to 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 forget. So, of course, uh, the Purim holiday starts, of course, with Monday. Monday, of course, is the fast. What's called the fast of Esther, Tainus. Esther, which contrary to popular belief does not commemorate the three-day fast that uh, Esther imposed on the entire Jewish nation in order to try to avert the decree of, of Haman that we were just discussing. And, uh, and uh, it in fact commemorates the fact that when Jews go to war, they understand that, of course, uh, success in battle 
has little to do with the sophistication of your weaponry and and the and the intelligence and iron domes or whatever it might be. Because the nations of the world pride themselves on their military hardware and might. We go to war and we win wars based on the protection of and and the desire of our Baruch that we that we so that we so do. And uh, therefore, it's, you know, kind of really makes no difference whether we've had our breakfast of champions or not before. That's not going to make a difference in whether we're successful or, or not. And therefore, since the 13th day of Adah, the day before Purim, was the day where in the entire empire of, of Haman, which according to many may have been the entire civilized world, was the day that the Jews went to war against the Hamanites, against their enemies from Amalek who wanted to destroy them. So they, at that time, fasted as an added zechus, as an added merit for their for their victory because, of course, the concept of fasting is, of course, to give an opportunity to separate oneself a little bit from this world and, and focus a little bit more on, on, on more grand, on more significant, on more real things and and to take a look at ourselves and perhaps do a little bit of, of tshuva and, and get ourselves uh, kind of more in, in shape. And therefore, we too uh, fast on that day. It's a little bit different than the other fasts of the year, which are sort of part of the commemorative cycle of the destruction of of the temple, all the others, the fast of the Gedalia and Asar Vasubatamus, and of course Tishbav, all, all around different phases and steps that led to the destruction of the base of Mekish. And therefore, there's an element of, of, of sadness. Uh, Tanisesu is not necessarily a, a sad day. It is a day of, of, of tshuva. It's a day of introspection. It's a day of preparing ourselves of seriousness uh, as we prepare for, for the work of, uh, of, uh, of, of Purim. Uh, and therefore, in in law, it's a little bit more more lenient for people that are not well, or certainly pregnant and nursing women. There, it's it's perhaps much easier to get a leniency and not to fast. But for someone who doesn't need a leniency, someone who's capable and able to fast, then it is a minib gisrael. It is a widespread accepted custom throughout the Jewish nation, and one should not deviate or separate themselves from the community and because of whatever reason not not uh, not fast the fast is a half day fast which goes from from dawn which i think is just before five o'clock and the fast will end at i think six forty eight just about ten to seven at which point of course we go straight into into uh, into Purim um and and only after that time, after the end of the fast, that we're allowed then to read the Megillah and begin the, the Purim fest festivities. It's also customary on Monday afternoon, uh when we come to Shul for Mincha to give the Machatzita Shekel, Shekel was something that was given in the time of the Beit HaMikdash where when communal sacrifices were being brought, so communal sacrifices means it has to be on behalf of the entire, 
the entire community, everyone has to participate, and therefore, by everyone contributing the half shekel, it was deemed as if every single person had a portion in every single sacrifice that was uh, that was brought. That collection was done during the month of Adar because the new, I guess you call it the new fiscal year in in the Beis Hamikdash began from Rosh Chodesh uh, uh, and Nisan, and therefore, although unfortunately we don't have a Beit HaMikdash today, we commemorate that by still giving a Machzla Shekel. The way it's done is usually we take the uh, a coin, which is the half currency of the national denomination, and we give three of them, and then we transfer it for other money, and that money is then given for for charity to the poor. People will come back with just a quick roundup of some of the other issues, but we're going to go to the shops now. This is one 1.9 Chai FM. It is soul to soul on this great Chai FM. Please don't run away. Stay tuned for a few more minutes. There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, we are live back on your radio here. We are not doing this week Hilchos Shabbos, we're doing just a brief review of some of the laws of Chagapurim, which is coming up. So, of course, the reading of the Megillah has to take place both at night and in the in the morning. Right? It is obligatory for everyone, man, woman, and child to hear the Megillah twice at night kind of we get the general story in the morning we're able to focus more a bit on on the details and even have greater appreciation of the uh, of, of the miracles so we said the earliest time is uh, from the time the fast ends at 10 to 7 you could theoretically read the Megillah all night check your community note, notice board for the times in your community some many places have a second reading uh, later on for let's say women who are babysitting at home or whoever it is at home at the time when shul takes place to facilitate everyone reading. Children, of course, should be brought to hear the Megillah. It's a very important part of the education, but one needs to just make sure that children are of the age and the capacity to sit and, yes, to make noise when appropriate, to obliterate the name of Haman, but not to make noise at any inappropriate time where it could, God forbid, uh, disturb the concentration of other people who are trying to fulfill their obligation to hear every word of of the Megillah, and obviously parental discretion is needed in that in that uh, in that regard. Um, the the uh, during the day, so obviously not only do we have the mitzvah of reading the Megillah, we have other mitzvot, and of course the shechianu that we make on the Megillah in the morning covers all those other obligations. We have, of course, the mitzvah of Mishloach Manot, which is the obligation to send at least one food parcel containing two ready-to-eat items. Ready-to-eat could mean that a person might choose if he wants to warm it up, but you couldn't, let's say, send a raw chicken to somebody because that requires preparation. has to be ready-to-eat foods, and again, the obligation is to send one parcel. We, of course, have many friends and, and, and confidants and all kinds of people, and of course, you want to spread the joy and the cheer around and, and send as many parcels as we can, and that's great. I think it's especially 
a time, you know, to build bridges. If there's anyone who maybe during the previous year one has had a little bit of a run-in and there's maybe some resentment or bad feelings, it's a wonderful opportunity to create a, a rapprochement, an opportunity to reach out and and uh, repair the the uh, the damages. The shlachmanus parcel can go a long, long way in building and reestablishing uh, uh, relationships. Again, parcels don't have to be fancy. They don't have to be over the over the top and you know put a huge amount of effort and time and and the theme and the this and that. It really is the thought that counts. I, I want to show my respect, my connection to you by sending you whatever it might be. It might be a biscuit and a and a piece of chocolate. Whatever, whatever, whatever it uh, is. Obviously, one needs to be sensitive to the needs of the person one sending to. Uh, you're not going to send a sugary cream cake to a to a uh, a diabetic or uh, you know a uh, a milkshake to a someone who's lactose in, intolerant. So one needs to take that in mind. Also, <coughs> different uh, kashrut scruples that people have. One should be mindful of of those things because you want to create good cheer and and a good vibe rather than the, rather than the uh, the, the opposite, very, very important, Mishloch Manat, is only a mitzvah to be done on Purim Day, which means not at night and not in subsequent days. You know, you can't sort of arrive at the office on, on Shushan Purim with 18 parcels and say, I really wanted to get to you on Purim, I couldn't. Here's your Mishloch Manat. It's very nice. You can always give gifts. I think no one would say no to a gift, but that certainly is not, is not, uh, a Mishloch, Mishloch Manat. We have also the mitzvah of matanot levyonim, of giving gifts to the, to the poor, uh, usually monetary gifts, because they're specifically intended as means for a person who doesn't have his own means to be able to go and buy the things he would need to also have a festive, a festive Purim meal. There the obligation is to give to at least two people in most shuls, the Rav or, or other sort of conduits are there, uh, as the official distributor of Shlachmanus in, uh, of Matanus of Yonim in your shul, in your community, and one should take advantage of, of that to give them a joyous Purim. And of course we have the, the special meal, the Sudat Purim, that takes place on Purim afternoon, joyous time, family and friends to come together to celebrate. There is sometimes a little bit of drinking, although that is a show in it, in itself, and of course one continues with that all the way until until nightfall, until Purim is over, and then uh, kind of it tails up uh, as we go into that. We add into our prayer the al prayer in both the Amidah and the Birchat Hamazon. If you forget it, so there's certain guidelines, if you're still within the davening, you can make it up. If not, you don't have to repeat the davening and it promises to be a great and joyful time and in spite of whatever else is going on, all the other stuff, let's kind of gird our loins and really work. We have to, you have to work to create a joy and happiness. It doesn't happen by itself. It doesn't happen externally. It's something that a person has to work on and uh, that's our job as we go into Pasha Zohar and leading up to Purim to, to work, to do what we need to do to get ourselves into the right frame of mind, into the right calmness of spirit where we can experience the true joy and happiness of 
of Purim. And with that, I'll take the opportunity to wish all of our radio family a wonderful Shabbos, a great time together, and a beautiful build-up to a really good and freilichen Purim to one and to all. Thank you for being part of our radio family, and a good Shabbos to one and all.